Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. And we are coming to you towards the end of Senior Bowl week. We are currently recording around when the the last practice for the South Squad is. We just finished up the North practice. I'm playing a little hurt today, if you can hear in my voice, so apologies for that. But we will try to power through and try to make out what's what's been going on down in Mobile this week. I know, Chris, you've been paying very close attention to what's going on. So are you ready to break some things down? Hell yeah. yeah! It'll be a little bit tricky. We had they had some uh, weather issues on Wednesday, but we'll do what we can. Yeah, so that that's kind of a big thing, and it kind of lost a full day of practice, at least for the media. So Senior Bowl week is usually there's practices Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Wednesday the weather was so bad they had to move practices indoors and there wasn't enough room for media to be in there so all the media that's in mobile wasn't able to go the nfl network had like a one hour recap show that didn't show a lot but i know a lot of the guys who were down in mobile did get some practice footage so we're kind of going off reports from those who did see practice on wednesday but we've been watching the practices uh, as well and following reports so we're going to just kind of go through earlier in the week we talked about some of the guys we were kind of excited to see and some of the things we wanted to look for during this week and now we're I think we're going to just kind of break down what we what we saw and some takeaways we can have from this week because I think as as we go through this these really three days of practice I think mean a lot more than the actual game does I think we talked about how the Giants have taken some quarterbacks who played well in the game Um, but I think in in the grand scheme of what goes on this the weeks of practices and how the players improved from day one to the final day, it really, that's what shapes a lot of the evaluation and the feeling of how well these players did this week. Yeah, definitely. And it's also a chance for guys from, you know, smaller schools, FCS schools, teams that, you know, just weren't very good and people didn't re- really pay a whole lot of attention to, you know, like uh, last year, Will Hernandez. It, it's an op- opportunity for those guys to really show up against some, some of the best competition in the country, at least among the upperclassmen and make a name for themselves. And we've seen some of that this week already. Yeah, so I think that's one place we can jump in. We're just going to kind of go over a couple players who we were impressed with or at least want to see more of now and kind of make us go back and and really focus on some of these guys. And I think if if we're going to talk about some of the small school guys, I think we we can jump in. Let's talk about Nasir Adderley, who's a safety out of Delaware. He's a small guy. It came in just 5'11". Um, so that's maybe a little bit on the small side for a safety. Um, it came from Delaware, which is, you know, an FCS school, not playing a lot of big competition, but he has come in and really played well this week. He's been hanging with 
a bunch of these receivers and tight ends and running backs. He had an interception off Daniel Jones that we'll talk about a little later in different contexts. But I think he's someone that we talked about the in the safety episode we had a while ago. We did not bring him up. That was probably uh, an oversight on our part. Again, but someone from Delaware, someone we're not really familiar with, but that's the type of impact you can have this week. Um, and I think Adderley has possibly become one of the top safeties in this class. Yeah, and that that is a field which is actually pretty wide open, f- despite having quite a few talented players in it. Probably, It's probably a deeper safety class than we normally see, but nobody has really stepped up yet to walk away with the top of the draft board there we had thought Deontay Thompson might but he kind of faded off towards the end of the regular season and yeah as an underclassman he doesn't really get a chance to show off until the combine yeah and that's that's where some of these seniors do get the advantage of of being in this type of environment and when you look at, at a guy like Adderley, he's, again, someone that not a lot of people were talking about before this week, uh, but he's made some splash plays and it's going to get a lot of people to go back to the film, dig in a little more. So he is absolutely someone who has seen his stock rise. Uh, who who are some other guys you've been really impressed with this week? I think we pretty much have to start with Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. Yeah, He had probably the first splash play of practices when he he just ran over an offensive lineman on his way to what would have been a sack if it wasn't a one-on-one drill. It was very impressive and showed probably more power than I think you would expect to see from a guy who is, who measured in at six, six two fifty, which Nobody in their right mind would say that's little or small or undersized at all. But for 6'6", six, six, that is a little, um, we'll say, svelte. But he obviously does have power, and with that length, he also has uh, 35 and a half inch arms, which is um, long. That length and that power, thats those are positive attributes, and I think we could see the Giants maybe take a little bit of an interest in him. That would make a lot of sense. He's someone who has been talked about as possibly one of those top edge rushers. He was someone we did focus on in our our edge show. So again, he he was someone who he, we did expect to be a little slight when he came in. He was listed 6'6", 245 at Mississippi State. Uh, but he's someone who was very productive. So we're going to just continue to see an, an edge... Uh, is going to be a place where the Giants are, are probably going to be focusing is somewhere in the first or second round. Uh, I'm not totally sure if that is really where they should go. Uh, and I think that's a different discussion, especially if Olivier Vernon uh, is gone. Uh, I'm not sure that's the route they should go, but it probably is something they are going to uh, really take a look at. So I'm not going to be surprised if Sweat is someone who has caught the Giants' eye this week. No, and unfortunately, the one guy who I think might have caught their eye, but he had to back out of the game due to injury, was Donald Parham, tight end from Stetson, another small school guy. 
I think he might have caught the Giants' eye just at weigh-ins because we know Dave Gettleman likes his human beings large. And Parham measured in at six foot eight and 243, but he's got 36-inch arms, a 7-foot wingspan, and 10.5-inch hands. That is a large human being. Yeah. And... At that height, you almost can't expect him to be a blocking tight end just because I'm not sure how you get leverage on anybody when you're six foot eight, unless you're lining up against somebody who is legitimately seven feet tall. And I don't think there are any defensive ends that tall, but that size could make you a legitimate threat in the red zone. You don't even have to jump to be able to out jump some guys. Yeah, and that's probably going to be a piece the Giants are looking to improve somewhere, uh, some something in the red zone because uh, the the red zone offense was bad. Again, that's that's something that is probably going to bounce back because they were a little better on the other eighty yards of the field than in the last twenty, and, and that's something that that's going to regress towards the success in the eighty yards of the field, although. In we'll say success relatively, especially compared <laughs> to what they did uh, in the red zone. But whether whether it's a, a big guy, it's maybe you know, a third wide receiver, or maybe a bigger tight end, or maybe a smaller, shiftier uh, wide receiver who they can be uh, huge, huge factors uh, inside the red zone. I think that's possible with Sterling Shepard and some other you know smaller kind of slot guys who we've seen, I think they can be bigger, better options there uh, as well. So yeah, uh, it's something inside the red zone that we can do. And and maybe if the Giants are going with what they want, maybe a smaller, shiftier receiver, I think two guys who have really stood out, uh, someone, one of them we've talked about beforehand was Andy Isabella. Uh, we talked about him in the, in the wide receiver show. Uh, he's been really impressive. And then Penny Hart, has been impressive this week. Also, there's been a lot of reports that people were were coming away uh, impressed with him. He doesn't come out as well in target yards added, which is my metric, which kind of isolates wide receiver production from the rest of the offense. Um, But he's a guy, he's listed, I think he measured in about 5'8". So he's a smaller guy. Lots been kind of made about about the both of them and, and whether they have big enough catch radiuses. So I, when you look at it, they're they're not really that bad. Isabella on all targets had a drop rate of five point four percent. Hart was five point five. If you make that catchable targets, Isabella goes up to seven point one and Hart's at seven point six. You know those aren't great numbers, but again, they were they were both targeted enough where those don't totally matter. I'm not super big on drops being a detriment if you're getting targeted enough, um, because if you're getting targeted enough, that means enough good things have been happening for you, and, and the drops don't always outweigh the production. Sometimes, a lot of times, the production will outweigh the negatives of the drops. So I think those are two guys who could be very interesting pieces uh, in an offense, and both of them have been really efficient and really impressive in in all the drills this week. Oh, yeah, and, you know, why don't we go to the battle between our guys, 
So in the in the wide receiver episode, Chris was very high on Debo Samuel. In the cornerback episode and our Cedar Bowl preview, I was very high on Rocky Sin, cornerback from Temple. Uh, those two have been matched up in one-on-ones uh, all week during practice. And for, I think, just about everyone there, they have said that has been the highlight of watching because they both have about an equal number of wins. Uh, there's been some times when uh, Yasin has shut down Samuel. There's There's been a couple times when uh, Samuel got the best of Yasin and, and got a little deep. It hasn't always come with a catch, but I think that is more with the quarterbacks who we'll talk about. So that that has been really fun, and I think both of them have probably elevated each other's games and and have just really taken to to the competition of each other. So I think they both helped their stock by going at each other this week. Oh yeah, and those are the battles you like to see when there's just two guys who are going to be draft hi- drafted highly one way or the other they'll both probably be off the board by i i would guess by the end of the second round but things happen certainly say by by the end of day 2 and they match up really well uh I, rock measured in a little bit smaller than i think people were expecting which it happens and yeah, yeah, he was listed. I think Temple listed him at like six one or six two, and I think he measured in uh, under six foot, uh, which uh, was very surprising to me. But he's got uh, he's got long arms. He's got the arms of about a six one six two corner, so that kind of does make up for it. Yeah, that's that's good to see because then they get then they've got that length to reach in and break up passes or you know be able to high point the ball, even if they aren't necessarily that tall. They've got the, I suppose, catch denial radius. I I think I might've just invented a new term, but we'll run with it. At least I I like that. Yeah. You heard her here first. Catch denial radius. I might be able to streamline that, streamline that a little bit. Yeah. I do like that term. I I am going to use that. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, Samuel, on the other hand, he did not measure in smaller than people were expecting. Nobody was expecting him to be over six foot. He came in at 5'11 and change and weighed in at, I think, 216. He did have larger hands than I think a lot of people expected, which might have him on the Giants' radar. I don't expect them to be thinking about wide receiver high enough to take him or early enough to take him. But if he's the highest guy on their board, they'll at least think about it. And his hands came in at uh, 10 and an eighth, and the Giants have always favored big hands in their receivers. If you're a receiver with big hands, odds are the Giants are going to at least look at you. But the two of them also clocked in as among the fastest players in practice. I believe it was yesterday. It was either yesterday or the first day. I have to look at the date. It was the, for the first day. Uh Debo's top speed was clocked at 21.1 miles an hour and Rock was at 20.3. So they can run. And when you've got a wide receiver who can separate really well, who's got a really good release and a DB who's got really good coverage, that's just, that's just a good battle. Absolutely. And it's been real fun to watch. So 
I, I think bef- before we get to some of the other positions, I want to bring up just one other wide receiver who uh, might have been the most impressive wide receiver this week, and that is Terry McLaurin of Ohio State. He is someone uh, we did not bring up in, in the wide receiver episode or the Senior Bowl preview episode, and I kind of feel bad about it now because he should have been. He is second overall in target yards added, which again just takes wide receivers' yards per target, subtracts the quarterback's yards per attempt to all other receivers, which just takes what receiver added to an offense. Uh, and he is number two in this class right now. So right, not right behind Emmanuel Hall. Emmanuel Hall has, has a healthy lead over everybody, but he's just above Andy Isabella, who I talked about a lot as a target yards added favorite. So McLaurin has been really impressive. He's shown, I think, better route running than a lot of people expected. He has the deep speed that a lot of people have expected, and he's been able to do that. And he's also been making plays in the special teams drills. There was one play, he was a gunner for Ohio State, and there was one drill they were doing, which it was just a gunner drill. And he was lined up against two guys, and he just went to the outside and ran straight past them and was not touched. So if you're looking for a guy who can contribute with big plays on offense and also contribute like that on special teams, you know, that that's another thing. That's an under-the-radar thing teams can be looking at uh, with these drills. And McLaurin is someone who, who definitely got um, some radars with his play this week. Yeah, I have to admit, I wasn't really looking at him. Uh, I will say... Ohio State generally has so many prospects, it's easy for one to just kind of slip through the cracks, and I I think that's what happened there. Yeah, it is. I mean, even even when I was talking about some of these guys in Target Yards Added, he's sitting here at number two on my list, and he's still not really someone I brought up to talk about. But he is definitely going to be someone I will continue to bring up and talk about as we go through the process, because I I think he showed he absolutely is is worth bringing up. So. Uh, As we move there, I think we can talk about some of the offensive line prospects because there have been uh, a couple who have been pretty impressive uh, this week. I know, I know, you have a guy who you really liked. I had a couple I've really liked. I will say Ali Udo, which I I am not going to attempt his first name just because I do not want to butcher it but the offensive tackle out of Elon, he was a shrine game player who got an invitation to play at the senior bowl. He pretty much caught everyone's eye again at his weigh in at the shrine game. When he weighed in this week at just under six, six, uh, six, five and three quarters, which for me is a, about perfect height for an offensive tackle. Weight 327, which I believe is a little bit down from where he was at the Shrine game. 10-inch hands, which is good to see. You like to see big, powerful hands. Uh, 36-inch arms. So, again, large human beings. And we know the Giants like those, especially on the offensive line. And he had some good blocks from what I've seen. He's gone up against some of the best edge rushers and held them at bay. And he did it at right tackle, which is an area of need going forward. So he might be a guy to keep an eye on. Also, for me, uh, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State. It's another guy 
long arms for his frame. He only measured in at about six four and a half, and weighed in at three oh eight. So he's going to be a little bit small. Some people might look at, might project him inside to guard. I say leave him at right tackle. He's played there. He's played a lot there. He's played well there. So just leave him be. And what got me was a uh, his attitude when somebody got talking to him in the hallway, I think it was before practice and they asked him, you know, what do you want to show? Basically I want to show my toughness. I, I want people to ask, you know, who's that guy finishing with the defensive lineman in the dirt during practice? You know, who's that guy playing? Like he's got something stuck up his butt and that kind of attitude, it, it, it caught me. And I, I've seen him make some solid blocks as well. Yeah, at the end of North practice on Thursday, oh, they did some of the the last one on ones and and went you know one on one with some of the edge rushers against the tackles and and he was he was fired up there and he's someone uh, we did talk about in in our offensive line uh, podcast. So some people say they they want to move him to guard, but if you have someone who's good at tackle, keep him there. And I think he he should be there. I think he's shown enough that he should stay there. So that's good. And I think if, if we move on, I think one other tackle on that on that team is uh, Chuma Ijoga of uh, USC. Played right tackle. He got some some reps at left tackle. So they're they're playing him on both sides. He was really impressive this week um, uh, against uh, a bunch of edge rushers. So I think he is someone who who might not be in that first round mix, but maybe if. You're looking for a decent offensive line prospect in on day two. He could be someone who is available. And the Giants might just find themselves in that in that position of needing to find another offensive lineman, be it for a starting position or for depth, and have to use that second round pick on one, which they have already used their third round pick. I think we have to keep reminding ourselves that they have that 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 Sam Beal is their third round pick. That's already been made. That's in the books. That's done. So they only have one day two pick, at least as things stand now. So there are a lot of uh, options, I think, and directions where they could go. Absolutely, I think offensive line is is still going to be something they look at, whether it's at tackle or at guard, and of course the free agency is going to happen before the draft so it's possible one or two of those needs are filled beforehand um but it's probably still worth looking at a bunch of these prospects i think another place where the giants are probably going to look is on the interior defensive line and two guys who i i really like to stood out uh charles amenahue of texas and isaiah bugs of alabama and neither one of these guys are ones we brought up in detail um, during our uh, interior defensive line preview, but they're guys who had very productive college careers and have been very impressive in Mobile this week. Oh yeah, and from what I gather, Omenihue has been very impressive in interviews. Basically, everybody's commented that he's either been Everybody has commented that one way or another, he has been impressive, either on the field or in interviews with how he carries himself. All of that, it's he's turned some heads, and I think he might be making himself some money this week. 
there's one more. Uh, say, Dalen Mack out of Texas A and M. He's he might be more in the nose tackle mold, kind of squatty. I'm pretty sure his legs are as big as I am, but he has also had some really good reps from what I've seen. He's pretty primarily a power guy and there haven't been a whole lot of offensive linemen who've been able to stand up to him. Yeah, he's he's a big dude. And I, I wonder if when the Giants are looking for, if they're looking at interior defensive linemen, I think they're, they're probably going to put more emphasis on pass rush. I, I would hope um, that's what I would suggest. Uh, and that's where guys like Bugs and Aminihu stick out. And you look at this class, Bugs had a 39 pressures per Sports Info Solutions, many of you had 31, and those are just slightly behind Quinn and Williams in this class who had 41. Um, and it's above all the other guys we talked about on our, our preview show of that position. Well, except for Zach Allen. Uh, right, except for Zach Allen, but <laughs> Who's like, as we there said, all on that own. is Allen's on the edge sometimes, so he's he's a... I think he, he might be an exception. I wouldn't consider him strictly interior... Uh, defensive line but like a lot of these guys you can possibly move them around and that is another thing that makes them interesting and valuable is, is you can uh, move those guys around um so so i would think that having that type of pass rush skill is something that uh, is going to uh, make them valuable to every team and it's something that you kind of almost need now in the interior of that defensive line oh definitely and we saw it with B.J. Hill, where he got some great push as a true interior defender, sometimes at the one or nose technique, sometimes at the three technique, two eye. But he also showed that he could play as either a five technique or once or twice even out as a seven technique, out as an, as an edge. And that was very valuable for the Giants. He was basically their second best pass rusher. Yeah, no, he he was, and yeah, when we can you can have someone like that who you can move around and put into different places, uh, then you can get a bigger rotation of players to get in. Um, so that's something that just it's it's value added at the position. So I, I think even if it's not early, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants go to that area at some point. Um, but I think that is is a good overview of most of the positions and, and the players we were really impressed with. Um, when we started our preview show of the Senior Bowl, we talked about the quarterbacks and kind of what we wanted to see. And I think we can end there with what we did see. And it was not very impressive. Yeah, not not pretty. You know, We mentioned Nasir Adderley having the interception of daniel jones and it was a great pick by adderley but it was a terrible decision by jones yeah yeah so that that happened during the the indoor practice on wednesday it was on a seven on seven drill uh in jones defense everyone everyone was covered and i guess in that situation i understand you know you wanting to try to hit a tight window and see what you can do 
instead of just throwing the ball away and maybe wasting a rep in the practice opportunity in a game, absolutely throw that away. But I still think he picked the worst place to try to fit it into a window. There was no way he was getting it into the running back in the flat that he tried to target, and Adderley was all over it and it jumped the route easily. I think uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic has has a video of that on his Twitter feed if you want to go see it. But yeah, I think it's just kind of overall, we were kind of waiting to see if maybe there was going to be a quarterback who jumped up and was the clear top guy here I think we figured it might be a little underwhelming because the top two quarterbacks in this class were not in Mobile because they were both underclassmen but I don't think anyone really stood out maybe Drew Locke had a better day on Thursday than maybe anyone did during the week but I I still don't know if that was enough to to really be optimistic about any of these guys yeah the top three drew lock will greer and daniel jones they all flashed some ability they all had throws where they had good placement or showed you know, good velocity that sort of thing but then they also had all of them all had throws that were just letdowns where you just go oh and i don't know Maybe something happened in the practice we couldn't see, but from what we saw on Monday and what we're seeing right now, I haven't seen anybody really just step up. Maybe we got spoiled last year with having Baker Mayfield there and, you know, having the guy who wound up being QB one as a senior and at the senior bowl. Normally the, senior quarterbacks and the quarterbacks of the senior bowl aren't the top the or the top of the depth chart when it comes to the draft at least anymore as we get more and more underclassmen declaring and the best quarterbacks not waiting for their senior season to make the jump to the nfl but i'd say yeah this has been underwhelming and that's not a good thing for the giants I think if you came away from at least the practices impressed with one of the quarterbacks, uh, it's because you went in impressed with that quarterback and you do not really want to change your evaluation right now. And that's that's dangerous itself. And I'm not sure if that's where the Giants are going to be. I'm going to assume Daniel Jones is probably someone they're still very high on. I'm just going to say, I will probably continue to say I I don't totally understand that. So for the most part, you you did want to see someone kind of jump up and, and become that top quarterback in this group. And I, I just don't think that happened. So I think if you are looking for a quarterback, which again, the Giants should be, you have to to go after Haskins or Murray because I just don't think you can feel comfortable uh, even with a day two pick on any of these other guys and feel like your quarterback situation has been solved. Yep. And I will say one thing that I did see come out of the senior bowl, or at least the rumor mill in the senior bowl. And this is from Walter football. The giants are at least doing due diligence on Kyler Murray, which I'll take that as a step in the right direction. 
And yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I think we can take Walter football reports with a grain of salt. Um, yeah. Occasionally, oh, that is not my favorite place to get information. But uh, if they, well, however they feel about Kyler Murray, they should still be doing the work on Kyler Murray. Um and, so, and not doing the work uh, would be detrimental. So I, I'm still not sure if Kyler Murray is the type of player the Giants are going to want to take. I, I fully believe he should be. Um, and we'll talk about that many times until, again, we're still at the end of January. We have until April to do this. Whew, all right. So I will continue to say that Kyler Murray should be someone the Giants look at. And at least doing the homework there uh, is something they have to do. Like, that is their job. <laughs> and I think they should now be looking closer at Murray because I don't think any of the quarterbacks in the Senior Bowl should make them feel good about waiting for one of them. I would definitely agree with that. We could probably fill a whole show talking about Kyler Murray and how the NFL feels about size as a skill at a lot of positions, but especially the quarterback position and how that may or may not be changing and whether it should change, which it definitely should change. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we do a whole show with that because, again, we have a lot of episodes to fill. But uh, in the beginning of the week on Monday when it was the media days for the Senior Bowl and they were talking to the coaches, John Gruden said the success of Baker Mayfield and studying Kyler Murray has made him rethink what he's built up as you know his prototype and his benchmarks for size and what he looks for for quarterbacks coming out so if if John Gruden is starting to change his mind about what could be successful in the NFL uh, and you're not then you are way behind the eight ball then I would absolutely agree with that I think we could both think of somebody who kind of lives behind the eight ball there We'll probably get into it more at a later date. In fact, yeah. again, we de- we definitely will. We've said off air that we have we definitely want to get Mark Schofield back on, and I yes. think that will just be a matter of finding a time that works for everyone, and that might be the best time to talk about all this. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to continue to dig into the quarterbacks deeper. I know. Mark will probably be writing more on that on Big Blue View, and uh, we'll get him back on the podcast. I know Chris is going to write some about quarterbacks. I'm going to write some about quarterbacks. There's going to be a lot of quarterback content uh, leading up to the draft. There's going to be a lot of draft content leading up to the draft. We are going to be digging deeper on all these positions. And the Senior Bowl is, we're talking about it so much because it's really what kicks off the evaluation season. Is the first time we really get to see these prospects. So that's why we're talking about it so much and and from here it's now onto the combine in february and and from there it's it's straight to the draft so we have a lot going on here in the next couple of months and we're just going to be all over it but that'll be it for this episode you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast please rate and review if you have not uh follow us on all the social media places read our work at bigblueview.com 
Follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. Follow it on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.